When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind and Allstate. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast on a Thursday. Good news, there's a podcast on a Thursday last week at this point. Uh, Unfortunately, the game had already been postponed, moved until next week. But as I sit here and tape this late on a Wednesday night into a Thursday morning, Game on Saturday night, Oklahoma and Baylor, 7 p.m. kick. We'll be on the air with a 5 o'clock pregame show. Coming up on this episode of the Sooner Sports Podcast, we'll recap the huddle with Toby and Teddy, which looks back on the kind of surprise bye week and the state of college football. We have the 14 playoff rankings come out for the second time around. A little bit surprised to see how much both Oklahoma State and Iowa State jumped, but... I know the path is is littered with pitfalls and there's a lot of, of branches and, and traps along the way, but you can see a way in which Oklahoma, if they win its last two games and, and win the Big 12 championship, that's, that's three tough games ahead of them, could end up in the playoff mix. But we'll hear from Teddy and Toby, get instant reaction from that coming up here in just a bit. And we'll go in-depth on the game ahead with both Spencer Rattler and Ronnie Perkins as I had a chance to go one-on-one with the two Sooner standouts. In fact, Spencer was the Davey O'Brien quarterback of the week, offensive player of the week in the Big 12, so a pretty big week for both Ronnie and Spencer Rattler. And and I think, you know, we talked to him post-game every single game, and I'm I'm appreciative of Spencer for doing that. I think this is the first time we'll have had him one-on-one on the podcast. So, We'll get to that coming up here in mere moments. Well, I want to point out one quick thing, too. We've been doing the Sooner football broadcast post-game show, and I was talking to Toby about it. He and Kevin Henry do such a great job, and I know that it's kind of hard to keep up with everything right now. So 
we're in the process of adding the Sooner basketball post game every single game to the Sooner Sports Podcast. So as OU tips off its season later tonight, 7 o'clock, against UTSA inside the Lloyd Noble Center, as soon as things wrap up with Toby and Kevin Henry, we'll have the post-game show for you with Lon Kruger and the players of the game right here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. So we shift our focus for the next hour onto OU football. OU Baylor, Saturday night. Had a chance to catch up with Spencer Rattler, the Sooner starting quarterback, to get ready for Baylor. Joined by Spencer Rattler to get ready for the Sooners and Baylor. First of all, Spencer, how unique, challenging, I don't know, what was last weekend like for you with the game being postponed? Yeah, you know, we, we, we had a great week, you know, of practice, you know, expecting to go up to Morgantown and play. But, you know, this year things are all up in the air. So uh, we just had to adjust to it. And uh, we start out our week of practice today getting ready for Baylor this week at home. So it should be a fun one. From that perspective, is, is it good to kind of be back and have the facility back open up and everyone working? Oh, yeah, it's definitely good. You know, we got a couple things tightened up within the facility, though, to just, you know, be safe and smart. But, you know, when it comes to, you know, getting our work in and, and focusing and practicing, we're still still at 100%. You know, we, I, I'm really lucky, man. I always appreciate you doing post-game with us. So we've had a chance to talk about this every single week. But from an overall perspective, how do you feel about the growth you've made in your first year as a college starting quarterback? Yeah, you know, uh, just game by game, I feel like I've just gotten a lot more comfortable. You know, I'm seeing things a lot, a lot better, being able to put the ball where I want to. Um, so, you know, just... You know, getting the feel for it every week, I'd say going against good teams uh, helps a lot. And, uh, you know, the chemistry with the guys, of course, has helped. And, you know, i got a great group around me, so, you know, that makes it a lot easier for me. What has the challenge been like to create that chemistry, Spencer? Because practices are different. You know, you guys have to work out in different groups. There wasn't a lot of that work leading into the season. To create that chemistry with guys, how challenging has that been? Or, or has it been easier than you thought? You know, not challenging at all, actually. Um, just like I said, just going through it with the guys, you know, and practices, games, all that stuff, you know, being in some tough situations and games, going through it together, it just helps a lot. And, you know, all of us are just focused on our job. When we're all playing 11-man football, it makes everybody's job easier. So when we play together, it's, it, it's a scary sight. So on a weekend where you don't have a game, does Spencer Rattler sit around and watch football or does he try to get as far away from it as possible? No, I just chill, you know, not not doing much, just resting, resting my body, getting ready for this this upcoming week. But I, I didn't really do much. Yeah. So with that in mind, obviously you work a lot with Benny. You're you're a leader in the weight room. Has it been different physically for you at the starting every game? I mean, again, you've played in high school every single opportunity you got, but from a body situation, from a physical perspective, what's that toll been like for you? You know, my body feels fine. You know, I try to. You know, early on, I took a couple hits, but not. Nah, I probably get tackled a couple times a game, which is good. So, I try to avoid getting hit hard. You know, get down or not, you know make the tackle not as hard. But no, my body feels great. You know, I, I feel like I got a good sense of, you know, how to tune it down a little bit, but still, you know, get some positivity out if I'm running the ball or throwing the ball, or getting away from a tackle or sack, any of that. So, I, my body feels great. Spencer, speaking of positivity, it's been really positive what we've seen the last week from few weeks from Theo Wees Jr. Uh, he got him his first two touchdown catches uh, last Saturday against Oklahoma State. Where have you seen him improve? Where has your confidence grown in him? Uh, just his, his confidence is just at a super high level, you know, which you have to play with at that position. You know, he's one of the most confident guys I know. Um, he knows he's going to win that one-on-one -on -one matchup when we need to. You know, he know he knows his assignment at all times. You know, he's a great leader for our offense. And, you know, when I get him the ball, he's, he's super reliable. So 
that's my boy. I'm going to keep giving him the rock, and he's going to keep doing his thing. You know, and another guy, it was fun to see Braden Willis back. But, man, take, you got to take me through. I know we're a week removed now, but the godfather and how well you had to sell that to get Jeremiah Hall the football. Yeah. One, one little step over. It's just it's creative in what yeah. Lincoln Riley's been able to do in this offense, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You know, we're, we're, you know, we sit in meetings and we're kind of like, huh, what do we got now? You know, he's got something drawn up all the time. So, you, you know, a lot of the time it works, you know, as you saw with that play specifically, uh, you know, it was a great setup. We repped it a lot during practice. Didn't go as well as we wanted it to against our defense. But, you know, when it counted in the game, it worked for us. All right. Now, speaking of defenses that you've gone against, you've gone against the Dave Aranda coach defense when he was at LSU. Obviously, different personnel now. But, Baylor Saturday night primetime inside the Palace. How are you feeling about what Baylor's bringing to Norman on Saturday? Yeah, they've been playing really well. Uh, we just got into some of their, you know, cut-ups today, watching their games and their schemes, especially from last year uh, when we played LSU. Um, you know, we're just going to, you know, work on what's going to work against them, uh, you know, use our strengths and uh, go out there and hopefully execute a clean game and, and come out with the W. Hey, man, uh, congrats on the win last week against Oklahoma State. Hope you enjoy the week off. We'll see you Saturday night. Thanks, Spencer. Thank you. See you soon. Man, I really dig talking to Spencer. I think the kid's got an incredible future. Let me make sure I magnify how incredible that week was after the win over Oklahoma State. Rattler was not only named the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week, but he was also named the Newcomer of the Week, in addition to being named the Davey O'Brien Quarterback of the Week. And, oh, by the way has now found himself in a group of 35 signal callers eligible to win the Davey O'Brien National Quarterback of the Year Award. And the way to vote for him is simply go to the Twitter page for the Davey O'Brien Trophy at Davey O'Brien. And if you like the tweet that says, hey, round one, vote for Spencer Rattler, he'll get a vote and potentially move on to the round of 16. All right, so we have the Offensive Player of the Week and the Newcomer of the Week from the Big 12 after the win over Oklahoma State. We also have the Defensive Player of the Week and Ronnie Perkins. And, man, has this guy been a jolt of energy or what since his return to the Oklahoma Sooner lineup? Had a chance to catch up with number seven on the defensive side of the football, Ronnie Perkins. Uh, we kind of handled it in a good way. Um, not being able to practice, not being able to, uh, just to be around each other doing some football stuff. Uh, just took the time off to rest our bodies up and get ready for the next week. How's your body feeling? Right now, kind of a later start, so yeah. there's not that wear and tear of the first handful of games, even though I know you wanted to be out there. <laughs> but how's your body feeling right now? Uh, my body feels great, man. Like you said, I had a little late, later start to the season, so uh, I, I, don't, I don't got them uh, bumps and bruises that I usually have in this time of the season. I'm still feeling fresh. I like it. How, do you, how does Ronnie Perkins describe his position? Do you consider yourself a defensive end? Or are you an outside backer? What, what do you consider yourself? consider myself a football player. (laughs) (laughs) Best answer possible. With that in mind, though, you're in Jamar Kane's room. So take me through what coach has meant to you. Kind of a new perspective on things, but what kind of difference has he made for you? Um, He has taught us a lot, you know, uh, a lot in the mental aspect of the game, you know, uh, teaching us how to think, teaching us how to uh, go through pre-snap reads, uh, teaching us how to get out after the passer. That's probably been, like, the biggest thing he brought to us, Uh, just working working drills um, no matter what it is. Uh, teaching us, like, if an office lineman uh, give us a certain type of pass set, what move to go off of. So it's teaching us, like, that mental aspect, and I feel like it's got us a lot of better. Hey, can, can you take me through the, the, the challenge of walking that line? In other words, you're aggressive, you're fiery, you make a difference. But then 
not stepping over it and getting personal fouls or putting the team in a tough situation, Ronnie. What's that challenge like and what's that like from your perspective to, to walk that line? Uh, yeah, just basically like knowing, knowing that line, you know, not crossing it. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty good with the refs. You know, I, uh, I talk to them a lot. I, I usually tell them, though, if I get ever get too close across the line, just tell me and I'll calm down. So uh, I'm definitely – I just play with a lot of fire, man. But at the same time, I know how to control it. So it, uh, it, it helped my team in a positive way. Ooh, man, there's a life lesson. Create those relationships early with the officials, right? Yeah. So that way they know. Uh, rest of that room, man, I, I know we've talked about it a lot. You've ignited this defense and, has made, and it's made a difference. But take me through the growth that you've seen in Nick Benito and the, and the jump he's made from last year to this year. Uh, really from my freshman year, he, he, grew, he grew so much as a man and just as a football player. But um, just uh, talking to Nick in camp, I, I told him, like, shoot, when, when I play and, like, you just can start off hot, and then when I play, like we just could be like two of the hottest things out here. So um, he just took a big jump in fall camp when we first came back. You could uh, you could see like the work he was putting in while he was away, and uh, when he just came back in camp, you could just could see his get off, his pass rush, everything was just like a lot more better and like a lot more tightened up from from the uh, previous year. So like uh, it just goes like to to show like the work he put in, put him in the position he in now. And then the other two guys that have made a difference, Marcus Stripling in that room mm -hmm. and that pup, Brendan Walker, got a few snaps last week. <laughs> yeah, they both aggressive. Man. I, I love how Brendan plays. He's he a football player, too. That's one thing I can say about him. He, he loves contact. And so I think every coach is going to love a player who loves contact. So uh, just like him, he he uh, got a few things he could tighten up on, but he definitely going to be a, a good defensive end at the University of Oklahoma in his in his future, in his future days. Hey, final thought, prime time at the Palace, Saturday night against Baylor. Charlie Brewer entering his 86th year of eligibility, it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> what have you seen from this Baylor offense leading into this showdown that stands out to you? Uh, they're a good offense, man. Uh, still the same guys who almost knocked us off in Waco. So no matter the record, we still got to respect them and respect what they can do. So uh, he's a good, he a good, nice uh, dual threat quarterback. He can run the ball real good. So it would be a challenge there trying to keep him in the pocket. Thanks a lot, Ronnie. We appreciate it. Good luck on Saturday night. Thank you. Five tackles, three for loss, two sacks. Just set the tone against Oklahoma State. Uh, I mean, it. his tackle for losses in that game total 18 yards. His sacks, 13 yards. He has been credited since his return, playing three games this year, with three and a half, sa three and a half sacks, six and a half tackles for losses, or tackle for losses. Anyway. Ronnie Perkins has been a difference maker since he's returned to the Sooners. So good to catch up with both of those guys who, as you can hear and, and tell in not just hearing the tone of their voice, but also in their preparation. They're ready. They're expecting to play on Saturday night against Baylor, as are we. All right, let's dive into the broad picture of the week off, of the path ahead, and initial thoughts on the four-team playoff rankings as we dive into the huddle reloaded with Teddy and Toby. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue on a Tuesday night. It is time for the huddle. Over the next two hours, we're talking OU football as they get set to take on those Baylor Bears. What a game it was a year ago when these two teams met in the regular season and in the postseason. We get to see the crimson and cream and the green and gold on the field together again in primetime on Saturday night. It has been a wild week. We're going to talk about it. We're going to look forward to that Baylor game. But first, please help me welcome the Butkus Award winner and my radio partner, Teddy Lehman, everybody. T-Row, how are we doing, sir? 
I'm doing good. That was a hesitant fist bump on you. Do you have any disinfectant over there? <laughs> uh, uh, I do. Sweet tea here. Okay, at that's good. That's good. Um, no West Virginia game. We thought we were going to be in Morgantown last weekend. That didn't happen. Sooners had uh, COVID issues. They've postponed that game to December 12th. We're going to get the latest from Lincoln Riley coming up in the next hour. But first things uh, on the horizon is Baylor coming up. I guess we should talk about um, uh, the West Virginia situation first. We thought we had a very busy uh, traveling weekend in front of us, and all of a sudden we had Thanksgiving at home with the family. It was kind of interesting. Um, a little bit of a break there, you know, and maybe it was a good thing it wasn't planned, right? You yeah. just all of a sudden look around and it's like, okay, well, what do we want to do for this weekend? <laughs> so uh, it, was, it was interesting. Now, I'm still not sure whether I would have liked to have gotten it over with and <laughs> go ahead and, and bite the bullet on that travel out to Morgantown or push yeah. it off to later. But, you know, that's just kind of what we're left with right now. And, you know, we dodged it for a long time and it finally caught up with us. And sooner or later, you felt like maybe it would. And uh, let's just hope that we can finish off this season. Yeah, let's hope so. We had the basketball programs and the football program all on the same day kind of have to shut it down and. I don't know how it's looking for Saturday. Do you have a good feel for whether they're going to get this one in or not? I mean, I don't. I I guess right now I'm just waiting for all the information I can get before I make any uh, bold claim about we're playing this thing or we're not. It's kind of hard. You know, you really don't have a whole lot of information. I know that you know, we've seen this across the country that once uh, the virus kind of takes a, a hold of your football team, it can spread. Now, has it sound like we've gotten uh, a lot more positives over the last couple of days? It sound like Monday was a fairly positive day, but I guess you just never know. Every round of testing has you wondering what it holds. When you say a positive day, you mean a negative day, which is a positive <laughs> day. Right. Um, now, I agree. It's got to be so hard to prepare to play a football game, an important football game, with the cloud of un. You know, just not knowing hanging over your head the yeah. whole time. Well, not knowing. I mean, let's face it. Offensively, you put plays in for a specific player's skill set. Defensively, yeah. you run coverages or blitzes because of a specific player's skill set. And, you know, you may wake up the next day and he's not going to be with you. He's not going to play this weekend. So, yeah, it's it's fascinating. You've just got to, you know, trust the – the ability of your coaches to develop all of the talent on your roster. You may be too deep at a position. You may be three deep at a position, but you've just got to trust that. And, you know, hopefully those guys given a, a, a role will step up and fill that void. Be the home finale on Saturday night. The Sooners take on the Baylor Bears. And let's take a look back at that thriller, the regular season thriller in Waco. Banks of the Brazos a year ago. It started terribly, although that's a nice play for Ronnie Perkins. A lot of hype, primetime game. Both teams with their eyes on the Big 12 title and the college football playoff. And Sooners were able to jump on top first on the Gabe Burkich field goal, 3-0, but really nothing else to be too happy about in the first half of this. No, this was a, a wild football game. And really the two games we played last year are two of the hardest-hitting football games I've seen in a long time. Uh, two really physical teams. And, you know, they had our number for that first half. Our offense could not get moving. Uh, they stuffed our running game. 
They got after our quarterback in the passing game, and they were moving the ball. But, you know, we didn't quit. We didn't give in, and this team continued to fight. You saw the Denzel Mims touchdown made it 28-3. Sooners 31-10. Second half now, and here comes the comeback. Austin Stogner, his first career touchdown. The Sooners get within a couple of scores. This was a huge play right here. Into the open field. Looks like a big play for Baylor, but the fumble is punched loose by Parnell Motley, and the tide turned there, Teddy. No, in going back and looking at that play, I remember that that's whenever you really felt like, okay, yeah, well, maybe we do have a chance because leading up to that, yeah, you scored a touchdown, but for the most part of that football game, you hadn't been able to move the ball an inch, and something just slowed down for Baylor defensively. They weren't getting to the quarterback as good. And we found some confidence and some rhythm. Early fourth quarter, beautiful run after catch by the then freshman Theo Weiss to make it a one-score game. And you could feel, you could literally feel the nervousness in that stadium by the Baylor fans. Yeah, I mean, well, you got that huge lead and Sometimes you feel like in football games or, you know, basketball games, whenever you jump out to a massive lead early, that there can be some let off the gas and other teams can creep up on you. And it's hard to kind of get that magic back against once you once you kind of let down your guard. But, you know, hey, that's that's kind of what we saw here in Oklahoma. Instead of laying down and just kind of taking it, they fought right back and. It was a special finish. No C.D. Lamb in this game either. Braden Willis ties it with the touchdown. Gabe Burkage puts him in front. A minute 45 still to go, though. The Bears with a chance to drive and win it. And Nick Benito, well, first, the sack of Charlie Brewer. Then Benito, after he had a pick in his hands and dropped it on the very next play, he didn't drop it. It was Benito, the game sealer. And Oklahoma wins one for the ages, 34-31. And it's amazing, you know, looking back at that game, how different the feeling was whenever Baylor did not have the lead. You know, whenever they had the lead, it felt like, you know, as good as their defense was, that maybe it was insurmountable. But once they didn't have the lead and they had to lean on their offense to go down and score, I I don't know about you, but I felt totally confident that they weren't going to be able to move it down there with with Charlie Brewer. Well, I felt a lot more confident after Nick Benito picked off the pass. (laughs) That's for sure. Uh, Tale of two halves. All Baylor in the first, all Oklahoma in the second. Jalen Hurts leading the comeback 34-31. We'll take a look at the second time these two teams got together coming up in just a little bit. As for the game on Saturday night, who's your player to watch in this one? Well, I'm I'm taking Perry on Winfrey on that defensive line. You know, I, I think that this group has played really well. Um, you know, I think he's really started to find his groove. And I think probably whenever you look at Baylor, the weakness of that football team is going to be that offensive line. And that what's kind of been a common thread so far this year. And I think there's another thing, you know, I, I feel like they're going to try and make the ball come out quick. Uh, Oklahoma's going to want that ball to come out quick. So I think we're going to bring some pressures. And whenever you bring pressures, it does more than just try and get a guy unblocked off the edge. You get one-on-ones across the inside because they've got to account for everyone in your rush. And if if Perrion Winfrey's going to get one-on-ones all night, I feel like he could have a huge night. Well, that wouldn't be the first time that a big defensive tackle in the middle in the OU Baylor series was a key factor in that game. We saw it on the other side several times last year. My player to watch is Charleston Rambo. 
on Saturday. And, and really, this is a he needs to come alive player to watch. It needs to be a threat for OU again. The last five games, he's had two catches, two catches, did not play, two catches, and one catch last time out. Got to get him involved, become a deep threat again. He only has two touchdowns on the year. I think there were big expectations for him coming into the season. Other guys are making plays. Mims is making plays. Weiss is making plays. The H-backs are making plays. But Charleston Rambo can add a dimension to this offense that would be helpful. I think you're going to see OU try to get him on track on Saturday night. Well, you know, it just logically it makes a lot of sense. You know, the running game is what it is. It's really come on strong and, and looking good. Well, you've got Mims who has turned into your deep threat. You got Theo Wees, who has turned into what you'd call maybe more of your possession guy, your go-to on third down. And you mentioned the H-backs, your Stogners, haul out of the backfield, those type of things. There really is a place in this offense for that other slot guy, that other speed yeah. guy, and to get them some opportunities, whether it's some underneath crossing routes, which is something that he's shown the ability to do before, or a nice deep threat opposite of, of where Mims is going to be. So, I mean, there, the talent's definitely there. It is curious, though, to see, you know, when coming into the season, we thought he was, we were, he was going to have a big role, to see that that just really hasn't built like we hoped. All right, huge news today, by the way, at the Lincoln Riley press conference. Guess who's back on the sidelines for the Sooners, or at least back in practice. I don't know about the sidelines yet. We'll hear Lincoln talk about it next when we come back. You're watching the huddle here at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue. The huddle is brought to you by Rudy's. Bringing you the best in barbecue. Kincaid Coach, the official motor coach carrier of Sooner Athletics. AT&T 5G, the official 5G wireless network of OU Athletics. Homeland, a fresh experience. Proud sponsor of Sooner Football. The Sooner Sports Podcast is your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. Listen as Toby Rowland and Chris Plank talk all things Sooners. Log on to Soonersports.tv slash podcast. Presented by Allstate and Riverwind. Walden Cleaners and Laundry, where the difference is quality. Anheuser-Busch, whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. Our opening segment tonight, as always, was brought to you by Noble McIntyre at McIntyre Law, the law firm you should turn to for all your personal injury needs. Oh, you're not the only one who's had a couple of schedule changes this year. Had one now. OU West Virginia moved to December 12th. Texas and Kansas will also play on that date. They had a postponement, as did OSU and Baylor earlier in the year. The game's there on the left. Uh, not going to be made up. TCU, SMU, Baylor, La Tech. Baylor and Houston all told that's a half dozen games right there this conference has been hit not hit as hard as some others no and honestly all things considered I, I think that's pretty good and as long as things hold and you know you do kind of worry about it right now because we're kind of getting this this big balloon effect right now across the country but if things can hold and these teams can can keep this this tamp down a little bit 
Big 12 is going to look pretty good. You know, scheduling the bye weeks the way they did, giving that extra uh, room there at the end. So, gosh, you got to look at it right now and say the Big 12's handled things really pretty good. I, I, it has been popular to bash on the Big 12 conference in recent years, and some of it they've brought on themselves. I think you've got to give them a tremendous amount of credit for how they have handled this year. Uh, the Big 12 and the ACC were the first to get out there and started before the SEC and the Pac-12 and the Big 10, and they said, we want to allow some buffer. We want to allow some weeks in there if we need to move some games, if we need to postpone some games, we can and still get them in. And it has proven to be very valuable because what yeah. you're seeing in the Big Ten, in the SEC, they're having some cancellations, some postponements, nowhere to move those games, and it's costing them. So I think the Big 12 deserves some credit for that. No, I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, you know, I, I think it's really been job well done. And, you know, Joe C wanted to start earlier. And yeah. I, I think well, I think he kind of start. I mean, I think they took their lead from him. Yeah. And in hindsight, it probably wouldn't have been a bad thing to even give a little bit more time in there. But, you know, all, all told, they've done really good up to this point. You know, you look at like the, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, and you're really worried about some of those teams. Ohio State, who has a really good football team, but, you know, they've just been hammered. Some of it's their fault. Other times it's not. But they're in danger of not being able to make the Big Ten championship yeah. game and not be able to make the college football playoff. Now, that's just kind of the nature of what happened with them getting such a late start and not having any room in between. So, yeah, you look at the way the Big 12 handled things, staying out in front, making decisions, you know, in a situation that no one's been in before. It's, it's tough you're going to get scrutinized one way or the other, but – you know, I think they really found a nice, happy medium that so far has played out as, at least as good as they ho uh, had hoped. It's time to take a uh, look back at our championship flashback. There were twice, uh, not one game, but two times that OU and Baylor got together last year. The second, of course, coming in the Big 12 championship game down in Arlington. It was an equal humdinger to the first one almost. What a game. Matt Rule, then head coach of uh, Baylor. And the Oklahoma Sooners tied 23. We pick it up in overtime. Just in case you've forgotten, this is how it ended. A face mask gave OU a first down. They got the ball first. Our, our flashback summary brought to you by Pike Pass, the fastest, safest, most efficient way to travel. Oklahoma, Kansas, and Texas. Hey, Sooners, don't get passed. Get Pike Pass. Second and four, Ramondre Stevenson. Touchdown. Sooners punch first. Well, you know, you get to overtime against that Baylor team who really leans on that defense, and you start deep in that red zone. This is not in their favor. Uh, they were great defensively, just pretty average offensively. And what they're on their third quarterback by the time we're in, in overtime in this game. So huge advantage to Oklahoma. And the defense came out, came out there and got a great stop when they needed it. The Zeno kid made some big <laughs> throws for them to get him, you know, into overtime. But, boy, the pass rush was all over him in the extra period. Look at that coverage there, just closing in on those routes. Uh, just basically throwing up prayers right now here uh, with the chains against you. This defensive line just <laughs> teeing off. And you know, that's a great job by the coaches knowing what they've got back there in the pocket. You know, let's put the pressure on this guy, not let him have anything uh, easy. Remember when we used to have crowds at games? That was awesome. <laughs> Fourth down for Baylor on the run. He just throws a prayer and it'll find nothing but green grass. And the Sooners are the Big 12 champs again for the fifth consecutive time. 
after another fantastic battle with those Bears from Waco. Well, this time around, they're going to meet in Norman. And because of the outbreak uh, at OU, it hasn't just been players. Apparently, it's been some of the coaching staff as well. Lincoln Riley had to call on his bullpen this week, and he's got a pretty good guy in the bullpen. Here's what he said today. Actually, we brought Coach Stoops out of retirement today, so he was on the field and coached with us today. So it's great to have him out there. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, it's it's been kind of in our hip pocket this whole time. Is you know, if you if we you know had any staff member that fell off, I mean, we we got a Hall of Famer sitting on the bench. Um, so that's a that's a pretty good bench when you can when you can call that guy up. And more than that, just a how much he cares about this program, and I don't think there's anything that he that he wouldn't do. So it was uh, great to have him out there today. That was uh, it was it was awesome. I, our kids were excited to see him. All of us were excited to see him. So I think he had I think he had some fun as well. Uh, Suter Nation was excited to uh, get this news as well earlier today. I know social media went crazy. How about this, Ted? You think they played wild thing when they brought him out of the bullpen <laughs> and he came walking out onto the, the practice so. field? That's so awesome. Such a cool story. And, you know, there's just a couple of players. I mean, this feels like yesterday that Lincoln took over. Yeah. There's just a couple of players left on this roster that were uh, there when Bob Stoops was still head coach. So it had to be really cool for some of those guys who have probably had a limited interaction to, to have him out there and interacting with him and practice and not just like in a hallway or talking to the guys in a legitimate football atmosphere, you know, getting some tips, getting some pointers. That's awesome. So cool. It's got to be awesome for him, you know, to, you know, to get the bat signal that they need me and uh, come jogging out there to the rescue. It's pretty cool. Uh, a couple of things hit me immediately. One, how cool for number 12. Sure. Hey, yeah. Dad's at practice, right? How cool for dad. Uh, I'm sure he's coaching the other side of the ball. I don't know what he's doing. I'm guessing you got Bob Stoops. You, you put him on defense. He probably runs out there and whatever his assignment is and says, let's see, Perkins, Winfrey, Thomas, Benito. I can work with this. I could do yeah, with this. this <laughs> I can work with this. And then where else, when else could something like this happen? You know, usually when a new coach takes over, it's because the old coach has been fired. Right. Or he's retired because he's up there in years. Mm -hmm. And he's not around. He's gone to a beach somewhere or to wherever the kids live. For Bob Stoops to still be as young as he is in town, there's a great relationship there. Everybody loves him. I don't know when else or where else this could possibly happen. I think it's awesome. Well, I mean, it's it's fan. I, I mean, I don't know that it, it logistically can happen anywhere else yeah. because he's on staff. He's on staff. So in order for that to to be able to take place, he had to be there in a, on staff. So it just worked out. And you know, the other thing to think about is how deeply they planned for this season. You know, there was a lot of time. A lot of Zoom meetings mm -hmm. over the summer, whenever they couldn't get a lot of stuff done, it's like, well, what happens if this coach is out or that coach or both of those coaches? What are we going to do if like half of a, you know, one, one side of the, the ball, we lose the staff? What can we do? And it's like, we've got a reserve guy that we can go to, which makes <laughs> you wonder, you know, how many guys for the future are they going to have like, on staff, making $1 a year, but they are on staff so they can bring them out whenever they need to. It's yeah. just, it's really cool. And it just shows you that, you know, there's a million contingencies 
and you know some weeks you're going to exhaust them all and the next thing you know your old retired head coach is going to be out there coaching <laughs> a, a position group or something on, maybe on our level of the press box bob's usually about two doors down to our right now the coach's booth is about two doors down to our left right. so there's a, maybe he just goes out in the hall and goes down the hall this saturday i don't know how it's going to work but I think it's fantastic. I'm looking forward to uh, learning more about it from Lincoln coming up, hopefully, in the next hour. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll take a deeper dive into the Baylor Bears, what the Sooners are up against this Saturday on Owen Field. You're watching The Huddle, brought to you by Bud Light. The Huddle is brought to you by Rudy's, bringing you the best in barbecue. Academy Sports and Outdoors the preferred sporting goods retailer of Sooner Sports. Anheuser-Busch, whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. Sport Clips, it's good to be a guy. Riverwind, still the one. Time to go behind enemy lines now, brought to you by Riverwind. Riverwind, still the one, here's the series history. Between Oklahoma and Baylor, wasn't long ago the Bears had never beaten OU. Then uh, RG3 came along and ended that, but still 27-3 all time. Six-game winning streak for OU. First bet in 1901 down in Waco. Of course, a couple of classic meetings as after we've already showed you last year. Oh, you won the first 20 games of this series. How about that? They kind of have a... Uh two-sided history it's like pre-rg3 and post-rg3 right. because that game was it 2011 that's 10? right 11 11 i believe that was like a, a, the a different baylor from that point on and they've had some dips here and there throughout that but for the most part it's been a, a legitimate high end i mean a lot of our matchups since then have been top 10 matchups. Yeah. You know, we've gotten the better of, of most of them, but they've been highly ranked matchups. And they have come into Norman and won. Spanked it pretty good here a few years back. That was a painful one. Uh, all right, let's talk about Baylor. New head coach, uh, Dave Aranda, knew everything down there. Matt Rules now with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, they had serious COVID issues early in the year. Right. In fact, several of those postponements that we saw was Baylor. Uh, and they've been trying to kind of figure it out. So you got a new coaching staff, you got COVID, you got no spring practice, and they, they look like it early. They were slow getting going. They won their first game against Kansas, didn't win again until Saturday against Kansas State. We'll look at that game coming up in a bit. But let's start by taking a look at the Baylor offense, and Charlie Brewer is still there. He seems like he's been there forever, but right. tough gritty quarterback he is he's big athletic kid got a strong arm uh, not overly accurate not a, a, a super quick decision maker but a very capable guy as long as he stays healthy and uh you know he's going to be coming off of his best game there you see 31 to 39 for 350 yards two touchdowns and added some nice stuff in the running game as well as you see right here you know this baylor team is interesting now, you mentioned a lot of a lot of the factors there about new coaching staff and what they've gone through early. Like, I don't even know if they know like who their best players were and who was going to be available available for them for a long time. And they finally started to learn their team a little bit, uh, you know, having not been able to be around them throughout the offseason. So this is a different Baylor team than 
the team that trotted out there late September and who played throughout October. This is a different football team. You know, they've lost talent off of last year's squad for sure, but these are guys that are coached really well. You know, the people that I've talked to that have coached with Dave Aranda say that he is fantastic. He's a great coach. The players love him. He knows his stuff. And the rest of this roster, you know, was coached by Matt Rule. And we all have a really high opinion of Matt Rule and the staff that he had. This is a team that not just this year, but over the last three, four years has been coached really well. So they're going to come in ready to fight coming off their best football game. Take a look at some uh, highlights of their best receiver, R.J. Sneed. He's having a good year. You know, we said it, Teddy, back when the schedule got redone. OU was supposed to start uh, the original schedule. Baylor was going to be their first conference game. And when it got reworked, now they were their last conference game until obviously the West Virginia change came. And we said it at the time, I think you would have rather played Baylor first than well, last. There's no doubt. Because there's they're no figuring doubt. it out. They don't have a very good record. They haven't been blown out by anybody. I mean, they've been in every 11 game. 11 points is know, their biggest loss. Texas. Yeah, Texas right. coming off of a postponed game against Oklahoma State. Lost a one-point game a couple of weeks ago. Won a one-point game this week. So, uh, yeah, I think they're definitely not as, as good as they were a year ago. But I do think this is a tough team that's starting to come together. R.J. Sneed's a really nice player for them. He's made some tremendously athletic catches. Well, he has. Um, you know, he, he's a he's a guy that's got good speed. You've seen them here through the highlights. Throw it up to him a couple of times uh, downfield in some one-on-one opportunities. They use him, as you see here, in the run-pass option game. So, I mean, a very capable wide receiver for sure. On the defensive side, that's where they look entirely different. There's a lot of the same names on offense. On defense, virtually a complete makeover from that outstanding Baylor defense of a year ago. You're looking at some highlights from their linebacker, Jalen Petrie here, who's got a couple of interceptions and seven tackles for loss on the year. But it's been an overhaul. Dave Aranda is an excellent defensive guy. He's a defensive coach. But he's got his work cut out for him. Here. He does. Uh, he does. You know, and it it takes longer defensively to understand a new scheme than it does offensively uh, because you have to react. So you have to know where everyone's going to be. You have to know where you, you fit on motions and shifts and different run fits and, and different pass plays and concepts. So it takes a, a little bit longer for that. But here's the thing. You go back to, to what I said a moment ago. This team has a really good base of football fundamental coaching underneath them. You go back to a year ago, that's one of the best tackling football teams that we've seen in a long time. And that's not just the starters. Obviously, those starters were their best players, but everyone on that team was getting the same coaching. So there's a lot of carryover in that regard. I just think it's a tough, scrappy team. Just All you have to do is remember this. When Rule came in, this was a, a, a team that won one game in 2015, but took us to what, 49-41 yep. down there in yep. Waco. So it's a scrappy squad that a lot of times doesn't look at the scoreboard. They just show up and play. So I'm I'm looking for a dogfight because, you know, I don't know what their, their COVID situation is going to be. Ours seems to be a little hairy. So you don't know how many starters you're going to be out on either side of the ball. So... You know, I'm, I'm gearing up for a battle in this game, and I'm sure our football team is as well. Uh, this game right here, uh, pretty indicative. I mean, they had every reason they shouldn't have been in this game late, and they found a way to win it. 
looking at some highlights from Abram Smith. Nice defensive back. They still got Raleigh Tejada. There's a name you might remember off that team last year in the defensive backfield as well. Dave Aranda, he was at LSU. We saw him last year in the Peach Bowl. Did an outstanding job with the national champions. That got him the job at Baylor. But he's been around for a long time. Wisconsin, Utah State, he's been one of the best defensive minds in college football for quite a while. Yeah, anytime you see a guy climb the, the list like that, you know something good is happening. Uh, did some really good stuff there at Wisconsin. Obviously, we know what happened at LSU. They go win a title, and he lands the Baylor job as his first head coaching job. And, you know, uh, picking up a, a program that was in a really good spot if you weren't coming into a pandemic year where you didn't get any time around your football team to implement all the new things, get acquainted with your, your roster and your players. So I think Dave Aranda this year, I think you got to just kind of throw it out. You know, go out there, fight, scrap, do whatever you can to try and win football games or stay competitive, find something to build on for next year. But my opinion, Dave Aranda is going to have that Baylor football team in a good position in years coming by all accounts he's won them over down in Waco they seem to love him at the press conferences interviews I'm looking forward to us getting a chance to talk to him this week I think he's going to do a nice job we'll take a break when we come back we'll take a look at the big 12 landscape and the brand new college football play playoff rankings just out where did the Sooners land you're watching the huddle We want to thank all of our Sooner Radio Network affiliates across the state and region. Fans can check out Soonersports.com for an affiliate in your area. And if you're traveling outside the state of Oklahoma, you can listen to all the action on either Sirius XM Radio or download the TuneIn app and listen free. OU's football games are available on Exodus 96.5 FM in Oklahoma City and 101.5 FM El Patron in Tulsa, as well as on those stations' websites. Each OU Spanish broadcast will feature a 30-minute pregame show and a 15-minute postgame show. Log on to Soonersports.com kids for information about joining the Sooner Junior Kids Club presented by OG&E. Brought to you in part by Orthodontics exclusively. Time for the Big 12 report presented by Kincaid Coach, the official motor coach carrier of OU Athletics. It was an entertaining weekend of the conference for us to not have a game and sit back and watch. And it started on Friday Texas and Iowa State got together down in Austin. Longhorns jumped out to a 10-0 lead, but unable to hang on to it. Yeah, this is a, a great football game. A couple of really good teams uh, playing good. Purdy has uh, started playing a lot better, kind of what we thought we were going to see all along from him. He's kind of settled into a nice little rhythm. Uh, you know, Texas did a pretty good job of shutting Brees Hall down, and Purdy had to find some ways to create outside of that and, and did just that Iowa State's defense played well they did kind of what they always do it's a bend don't break defense and gave them a chance to win the thing late and they were able to do that um, you know I thought what was most fascinating about it is you know Sam Ellinger has really you know he, he's been the the go-to guy for them for years now everything goes through Ellinger and he took a, a sack late that he just typically doesn't do with all that experience yep. and end up maybe costing them the game is that that kick from what 58 sells just left 
Baylor and Kansas State. That was the night game. Also very entertaining. Kansas State looked like they had the better of it most of the night. Baylor jumped on top 6-0, but then they get the uh, long counter answer there to take the lead. It looked like the Cats would pull away in this one. Deuce had another big game. Yeah, he did. Uh, you know, they got him back involved in a big way. And, you know, it's just this is what you worry about with teams that have had a rough go of it. You know, that new coaching staff, you know, they got hit by the virus hard early. You know, and when that happens, they're not playing for a national championship. They're playing for small little wins on every series, in every quarter, in every half, in every game. And when that happens, those teams can be dangerous because you look up and just because they're trying to win those small little battles at the end of it, they're right there with a chance to win the football game. That's what happened with Baylor, and they end up taking the thing. International recording artist John Mayers with the game winner, <laughs> Baylor 32-31. to 31. Texas Tech and Oklahoma State played what looked an awful lot like an old-fashioned Big 12 game on Saturday. Up and down they went. Mike Gundy called it a heavyweight prize fight. Cowboys couldn't stop the Red Raiders. Red Raiders couldn't stop the Cowboys. That guy got rolling. Desmond Jackson got the start at running back for OSU with Chuba Hubbard on the bench. All he did was go for 235 yards and three touchdowns. Great game. I think I'd classify it differently than head coach Mike Gundy, but it was a good game nonetheless. Uh, Sir Roderick Thompson, you see him. He broke a couple of big plays, and you saw Wells was going after this thing, trying to win it. Went for it on fourth down a couple of times early, ended up getting a long touchdown run out of it. But they kept fighting, scrapping, and uh, late, they got a throw. chance to win the thing. Uh, amazing. If it wasn't for this kick right here, then this decision when they really didn't need to do that, <laughs> who knows what happens in this football game? The onside kick returned for touchdown. That happened a couple of times this week, and it happened in the, to my Colts on Saturday, too. Here was a pick six for Oklahoma State. They had an onside kick returned for a touchdown, a pick six, and still it's it went right, be over, right? right to the wire. <laughs> Alan Bowman's back at quarterback now for Texas Tech, and he had a big game, 384 yards passing. This one, though, they ran it in. It went to the wire. Trust us, Oklahoma State would win at 50-44. to 44. We don't have time to show you all these highlights. It's only an hour show. So your updated Big 12 standings look like this. Column on the left is the important one. Iowa State at 7-1, looking good. OU and OSU 5-2. Sooners have the tiebreaker there. Texas and West Virginia just off the pace. Bottom line's this. As we take a look at the games remaining, OU, Iowa State, your most likely Big 12 championship matchup, both most likely. It is certainly not locked. Oklahoma State could get in with a loss by either one of those teams if the Cowboys would went out. There's even still a scenario by which Texas could still get in to the Big 12 championship game. But the heavy odds on favorite is to see the Cyclones and Sooners again. OU's just got to take care of business now. Yeah, I'd love that matchup. You know, win out and you're in. That's fantastic for Oklahoma. Uh, you get a chance to avenge a loss. You're a different team now than you were whenever Iowa State beat you up there in Ames. I think that gives them a, a, a little bit of a boost there with the college football playoff committee, which, you know, I, it's still, to me, not a, a crazy the situation for Oklahoma make the playoff unlikely, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I think they have a better chance than what a lot of people are giving them nationally. 
Here's the thing, though, as far as the Big 12 championship. Iowa State looks like they're playing their best football right now. Big win over Kansas State. Uh, they got the win down there in Austin over Texas. But I still have a very low trust factor when it comes to Iowa State football. And, you know, I've been saying this for a while. I don't know if you agree or not, but I think West Virginia is uh, a pretty daggum good football team sitting there at four and three. Think they're going to go in there and beat them? I mean, I think they're possible. Gonna, I think it's going to be a, a, a one score game late. West Virginia's just played a lot better at home than on the road, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Maybe. True. Uh, all right, so nationally, a couple of games have been poured quickly, and then we've got some breaking news to share with you. Oregon, Oregon State. Oregon undefeated, kind of lingering. Maybe Oregon deserves a shot to be in the playoff if they could win out. The highlighter yellow and the highlighter orange got together on, uh, what was this, a Friday night game, I think it was. And uh, it was a great game. It was terribly officiated. And I don't rip on refs very often anyway. Maybe about uh, where the ball should be spotted from oh, time you, to time. So you telling me that after however many years, uh, 13 years, there's a little payback to Oregon with no, some bad officiating? This had nothing to do okay. with OU recovering the onside kick. Okay. No, it had nothing to do with that. Oregon loses, though. Their in-state rivals, the Beavers, got a 41-38. In maybe the only game I'll be okay with bright orange and bright yellow whenever there's fog on the yeah, field. why not? Yeah, that's show. Uh, Mich- uh, Northwestern was undefeated. They go to Michigan State, one and three. No reason to believe that the Wildcats won't just keep rolling. Didn't happen, though. They didn't play very well. And Sparty knocked them off 29-20. What a weird year for the Big Ten. And we've seen some of this nationally. This is what happens, you know, whenever you don't know who's practicing. You don't know what training camp has looked like for each of these teams that you play. And uh, I think anything can happen this year. Here's your updated college football playoff rankings hot off the press moments ago. Sooners stay at 11. Northwestern drops behind them after that loss. They were in front of them. Iowa State jumps in front of Oklahoma. They were behind them. So the Sooners stay in the same spot. Everything else roughly the same. Clemson jumped in front of Ohio State down there. But not a lot of movement this week. A chance for more in the uh, next week. We'll see some bigger matchups coming up. But the Sooners stay at 11. Thoughts? I think uh, I think that's fair. I think Georgia is too high. I think Miami is too high. But outside of that, I think I think it's about right. I think that's about what what you'd expect. I have no problem with Iowa State being ranked in front of Oklahoma. They beat Oklahoma. They've beaten us, and they're playing good football yeah, right and, now. And OU's got a, a chance to uh, hopefully, if they can get to the Big 12 championship game you know, uh, make amends for that. But that's what they look like as of tonight, your college football playoff ranking. All right, we're going to take a timeout. Uh, moments ago, Bob Stoops released a statement about his new role with the Sooners this week. After this break, hopefully we'll have that for you. And uh, also we'll make our picks this week as we wrap up the huddle. Lincoln Riley right around the corner as well. Stay with us here at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue. Television partners, OU Health. Anheuser-Busch and the OU College of Professional and Continuing Studies. And our community partners, Landers Auto Group, Coca-Cola, and OU Health. Moments ago, Bob Stoops releasing this statement. When Lincoln asked me if I'd be willing to help in a coaching role while he was a little shorthanded, I didn't hesitate to say yes. Certainly, I'm happy to do anything I can to assist the team for however long I'm asked to. 
But obviously, with me being away from the day-to-day activities of the program for a while now, my input will be minimal. If I can add some enthusiasm or positive energy for these players, and I do know most of them, that's a good thing. He went on to say, in very Bob Stoops-esque tone, but let's not get carried away. The, (laughs) The people that will influence this game and the rest of our games this season will be Coach Riley, his staff, and the players. I'm just going to do my best to help out however I can while keeping a low profile. Thoughts? I, I love it. I think that that's got to be so cool for all of those players walking around up there to to have Coach Stoops, a legend like that, to be interacting with you, not just in a, you know, being around the program manner, but out there offering some football tips and maybe in a meeting or out there on the field. I mean, that, I think that's awesome. I will say this. When you've got a statue outside the stadium, good luck keeping a low profile. <laughs> right. the, the cameras are going to know where Bob <laughs> is at all times on Saturday. All right, uh, time for our picks segment. Let's take a look at how we did last week. And look at Ted. Wow. Ran the board. Made up some ground last week. Boston College over Louisville. You called it. Penn State over Michigan. You called it. Ole Miss beat Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl. Notre Dame over North Carolina. Iowa State beat Texas. You called them all, Ted. You've closed the gap on me. Things starting to get a little interesting here, Toby. Momentum has moved toward the Butkus as we enter week 14. Let's take a look at our picks this week. We start with Memphis at Tulane. I don't know what's going on with our producer, Kurt, why he put this (laughs) game. He got engaged yesterday and i'm not sure his head was fully in picking games and that's fine that's fair enough he, he gets that excuse yeah i'll take memphis uh-huh. i guess i like memphis um i've seen a little bit of tulane this year not a whole heck of a lot yeah. but uh, i think memphis continues to have a pretty decent football team give me memphis is it next year we go down to tulane i think Possibly. we open the year next year is that right down to i think so um nearly beat uh, tulane nearly beat tulsa right. a couple weeks ago uh, Memphis just one and two on the road this year. Their one win, they beat Navy ten to seven. Haven't been a good road team. I'll take Tulane in this one. All There's right. a chance for you. Arkansas at Missouri in the SEC. Who you got? Give me Missouri. Uh, seems like they found a little bit of rhythm here, playing playing some decent football. Arkansas, who you know got off to that that decent start, looked like they were going to play everyone super tight down the stretch. Uh, it seems like that's faded a little bit. Give me Missouri. This game was postponed a week ago. Mm-hmm. Missouri went, went to play Vanderbilt instead and beat them. Uh, Missouri's having a pretty good year. They're third yeah. in the East right now. This marks the return of Barry Odom to Missouri. He's now on the Arkansas staff. I think he's going to be greeted less than warmly. <laughs> I'll take Missouri as well. Oklahoma State TCU down in Cowtown. Who you got? Uh, I, You know, it just feels weird in Stillwater right now. I think Texas Christian's going to win the football game. Uh, Oklahoma State's had a couple of guys out. They've had a couple of guys opt out. It's just got a, a little bit of maybe a quit feeling to it and maybe not everything to play for that they had hoped. So I think TCU's starting to play some decent football. Give me TCU. Are you saying the give-a-rip? Might be give a rip less I, than the give a rip ideal. Meter, meter does not look good for Oklahoma State right now. I um I do think TCU is improving. Remember when we played them? The offense was in really bad shape sure. for them. They've won three of their last four, and in those three wins, they're averaging forty-two points a game. Mm-hmm. So they're starting to figure some things out on offense. 
I'm going to take TCU, too. I think the Frogs may get the pokes down at Fort Worth. SEC, Texas A&M at Auburn. Give me Texas A&M. I think they're a complete football team. Uh, you know, I know the LSU game has a lot of people wondering. I mean, should, shouldn't they have beat them 40-0? Uh, to zero? But uh, I thought that was a good, solid win. Defense played really well. Uh, the running game for Texas A&M is strong with Spiller. I think Mond is doing a really good job for them, distributing the football, making good, smart decisions. He's not turning it over. He's not going to wow you. He's not going to make unbelievable plays, but he's playing smart, decisive football. they got a big edge on the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball. Give me A&M. Uh, it would help OU for Auburn to win this game. I want to pick Auburn. A&M looked ugly, I thought, against LSU. I think Jimbo was probably really hard on him this week after the way they played, even though they won. I'll take A&M because I think Kellen Mond is better than Bo Nix. I think. We'll see. I don't feel great about this pick. It's it, it's at Auburn, but I'll take Texas A&M. I do feel great that I picked the same team you did. Uh, I know. Indiana at Wisconsin is our last one. I'm going Wisconsin here. I think uh, Penix being out for Indiana is going to be huge. He seemed to be kind of the, uh, the heart and soul of that football team. Uh, losing him to that ACL is frustrating. Um, I do think they've got some fight left in them, but Wisconsin uh, – Maybe this is a mistake, but I think just too talented, too big, too physical, but could be a mistake. Everyone in the Big Ten this year is beatable. Uh, Michael Penix, or Indiana, the feel-good story of college football this year. Not having him, I think, is going to rip their heart out. They're not going to be able to run the ball on Wisconsin. Wisconsin, I think, is frustrated. This is just the fourth game of the year for them. They've had a terrible time getting on the field. I'm going to take uh, Wisconsin as well. Uh, we've only got 35 seconds. I'm looking forward to uh, talking to Lincoln coming up next hour. Should be fun. We'll ask him about Bob and whether his team's healthy or not. It's going to be fun. Are you going to fire uh, 45 COVID questions at him nonstop? No. Nope. Are you going to get some football in there? Uh, we'll get some football <laughs> in there. Yeah, we'll ask a couple. Of, we got to know. We got to know. Gotta know. Uh, but we'll, uh, we'll get some football in there as well. All right, we've got a busy 24 hours for you on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Get this on Sooners for Life. Jessica Cootie will sit down with... Kenneth Murray. How cool is that as we get set for Baylor on Saturday night? Meanwhile, the Coach's Corner tomorrow will have an in-depth interview with Dennis Simmons, and you, you, you're going to want to hear what Coach Simmons has to say about what they did on Thanksgiving for their receivers. It's a really cool story. And Jamar Cain, noted, noted member of the Raider Nation and also the Sooner outside backer slash DN's coach. That's Jamar Cain and Dennis Simmons coming up on Friday morning. And then, of course, on Friday afternoon, it's the audio version of the Scene Setter. And as we mentioned earlier, we'll sprinkle in the post-game show from the OU basketball season opener against UTSA. And it all leads up to game day, the final home game of the season for Oklahoma Sooner football as the Sooners battle the Bears. We'll be on the Sooner Radio Network with a 5 p.m. pregame. Everyone have a great back end of the week. We'll be back with you tomorrow with all kinds of great content leading up to OU Baylor right here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Have a great start to your weekend. And Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Riverwind, home to a luxury hotel, fine dining, and never-ending rewards. Riverwind is still the one. And Allstate, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. 
The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Sooner Sports Network.